Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 348, recorded September 6th, 2021, Labor Day. And today we're just getting a little bit closer to that end of the Star Trek Year 5 comic book series. And today we're doing uh, issues 21 and 22. Yeah, ever closer to being done. Gosh, I have enjoyed it. I mean, not everyone was perfect, but... I'm really enjoying the issues. Overall, I think it's been a good series. Yeah, I'm just not a big fan of the Gary 7 BS stuff. Just like, I, I wish it was more... <laughs> BS! Because when they did all the other little mini-series and stuff, it was always like little one-offs and, mm-hmm. you know, very episodic. And I didn't like that because I was like, I want some, you know, larger narrative running through it. And then mm-hmm. now that they're doing it, I'm like, me. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed I enjoy the Tholian part. I enjoyed when Sulu had the girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever he was, fish fish friend. And then I liked the whole evil Starfleet admiral, medical admiral, and stuff like that. Those storylines I thought were really good, but then they keep peppering in the the Gary Seven in the background, and it's it's just not doing it for me. Well, it's doing it for me. The only thing that I don't like is Gary. They've made Gary a villain, and I hate that. Right, but. I do like this big story. I mean, it is the big story of the series, and I am enjoying it. Especially with how the stakes are cranked up to 11 at the end of issue 22. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to get out of this pickle. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> Unless somehow Gary has a change of heart and helps. Um, right. But I mean, be, but he's the one orchestrating it all, so well, I Well, he is. But we did see some issues ago that Gary had come to a realization what's being done to him. And it turned out Isis was really his handler, not his companion, but really his handler. Right. But now she's dead. So you think that'll be the catalyst to be like, oh man, I've been played this whole time. Well. Kirk's a good guy. (laughs) Well, yeah. So ultimately, yeah. yeah. So the Aegis you thought well, at least back from the old series, you thought more the Aegis were helping humanity. Right. But now we find out they're, they're helping multiple races. And now we're finding out they're actually trying to help, what, the universe of, of sentient beings? And By killing them all and replacing them with Tholians? With one. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, it's like, well, that all sucks. I mean, that's not good. <laughs> That's not good at all. But the thing is, they, Gary can time travel. So the Aegis know how this is all going to play out, right? Anyway. anyway right, in the, so they in know the end, that, you know, V'ger's just around the corner. <laughs> what, what, what's V'ger going to do if it gets to Earth and there's no humans there to define? No, no creators. <sighs> there you go. There you go. Good question. Very good question. Um, yeah, when they were doing the time travel stuff, I wish they would bring up more of the the big events that you know Kirk's going to be part of 
in the future. Oh. And how if he was suddenly gone, then, you know, I wish they would have just mentioned it. You know, he's not necessarily necessary for the, the V'ger thing, or he's not necessary for the whale thing. You know, just at least acknowledge that if you are time traveling and you do know that killing him is the best thing to do for the universe, then acknowledge that those big events that he's going to be part of can be done without him. But they well, don't ever do that. But, but... Gary's on a trajectory not only to kill Kirk, but also to destroy the Federation. So the Aegis have shown they're putting all their chips behind uh, the Tholians. So do they give a rat's behind about what happens to Earth? Doesn't seem like it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, ba- I mean basically Earth's going to be conquered. Right. As, as well as all the other planets of the Federation. You know, surprise! So don't see how that benefits everybody. Well, it benefits only the Tholians, and supposedly the Tholians are the race that can take over the whole galaxy and bring order, boring order to the galaxy, and that's just fine with the Aegis. So whatever, right? Whatever. All right. Well, that's enough preamble as far as what what's happened in the last twenty years. <laughs> For anybody yeah. who's who's not caught up, so yeah, sorry, kind of got it all. Uh, so, uh, so what? Ha- but twenty did end on a cliffhanger that I thought was really interesting with uh, Spock going back in time. Yes, to, um, where where? And we yes. we thought may- last time we thought maybe that was a time travel. It was a trap that Gary set to send mm-hmm. Spock back and change the future that way. Right. So we'll find out if that was right or wrong. But I really thought that was an interesting story with Spock. Being in the past, meeting with Surak. Yep. No, not Surak. 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 Not not Sarak. Not Sarak. Not his papa. <laughs> I know that was so confusing as I was doing the synopsis. <laughs> I got to keep saying it right in my mind. So, so that's where we left off, boys and girls. Exactly. Spot nerve pinched his Messiah type character. Yeah. And. What happens after that? How much of the history is he going to change with that action? Exactly. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Yes, exactly. And then we'll see what happens with the whole thread. And I think it's very interesting when you find out why Spock was sent back. Or anyway, I did. Yeah, I got. I, I got things interesting. I got things to say about that. Okay, yeah, so, let's go into it. Well, I'm, I'm doing the first one, twenty one issue, twenty one. Published date is April twenty twenty one. Writer is Brandon Easton, artist Sylvia Califano, colorist DC Alonzo, letterer Neil Yataki, showrunners Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, editor Chase Morotes and Megan Brown. Okay, so we got two covers as per usual. Cover A features Spock in ancient Vulcan robes grabbing the two horns of the Stone of Gaul and attempting to break it like a wishbone. Make that wish, Spock. Serac's head peers over Spock's right shoulder, while a helmeted and angry-looking Vulcan's head, likely Rehan, appears over Spock's left shoulder. The cover is by Stephen Thompson. The retailer incentive cover presents a Guardian Temporal Tours travel guide to the ancient Vulcan Civil War. A hand forming the Vulcan, live long and prosper. Hand gesture. Greeting has a very, within that has various drawings of Spock's head and body. The middle two fingers present two halves of Spock's head. 
And this one is by J.J. Lendl. Having just neck pinched Serac into unconsciousness, Serac's followers are not pleased with Spock one bit. Apparently that Vulcan martial arts move had not come into common use at this point in Vulcan's past because they think Spock killed him. When Serac moves on his own, but is still not quite conscious yet, they realize Spock just immobilized Serac and let Spock leave with Zat's dead body. Before he leaves, Spock tells Serac's followers the goal of ridding the Vulcan people of emotions and the violence that often accompanies them is a good one to have, but the conflict that is currently going on, the death camps, the rising body count, is not the way to achieve the goal. When Serac awakens, Spock implores him to consider other paths to victory. Spock picks up the Stone of Gaul and leaves with Zat's body and a companion of Zat's named Rion. They find a ground car as they put Zat's lifeless body into the back seat. Rion says matter-of-factly that after they put Zat's body to rest, they will launch the final offensive that will end Serac's regime. During the ride, Spock has time to consider his actions and the events unfolding all around him. The future, his future... Everyone he knows future could never come to pass due to his actions. However, Rion's threat to attack and end Serac's regime could be history unfolding. History recorded Serac's death due to radiation poisoning after Rion's faction detonated a nuclear device. Recognizing the horror the nuclear weapon wrought, the Vulcan people came together and implemented Serac's vision for the future. Meanwhile, back on the Enterprise, the old girl has taken damage from the many Vulcan-slash-Romulan vessels hot on their heels. Scotty is able to give Kirk a short burst of warp speed that gives them only a four-minute reprieve. As Kirk ponders their next move, an all-too-familiar frenemy appears on the bridge. It's Gary Seven, who refers to Kirk and his crew's lives as pathetic, but also says something about... Him saving them? Gary goes to the bridge engineering station and says he restored correct antimatter mix to the warp core. It will be back to full power momentarily. He tells them to return to Vulcan and enter geosynchronous orbit exactly over a specific set of coordinates. Once there, Bright Eyes will provide them a way to send a message back to Spock through a temporal vortex. Kirk asks Seven why he is helping them. Seven tells Kirk he has his reasons, but be warned that he will make them pay for taking Isis away from him. Oh, yes. Seven says, at a time of his choosing, he will remove their contamination of the galaxy permanently, and their penance will not be painless. With that, Seven disappears from the bridge. Meanwhile, on Vulcan of the Past... On a high precipice, Rian and Spock conduct the wake of Zat. Rian uses it as an opportunity to rally the rebels to join him on a crusade of violent revenge. Spock uses it as an opportunity to ask for restraint by way of a parable that states that there can be no glory when all are dead. Spock proposes exodus to Rian and the rebels. They could leave Vulcan and start on a new planet far from Sarek's constraints. Though a difficult undertaking, all great societies must overcome initial hardships. 
Rian rejects the notion, knowing he has the nuclear weapon card to play. Spock knows that Vulcan history records soon after suffering crippling defeats, the rebels will indeed use nuclear weapons against Serac. The death and destruction brought on by crossing the nuclear line will spur Serac and the government to expel the rebels and their families to space. Spock appears finally to be making some progress with Rion, and at least when someone in the crowd shouts, Serac has mobilized a battalion that is heading in their direction. Meanwhile, in the altered present, the Enterprise is almost surrounded by the Vulcan Romulan ships, when Kirk gives the order to go to maximum warp and boomerang back towards Vulcan after they've escaped. Seven said somehow Bright Eyes will provide a way to contact Spock in the past, so that is what they're going to do. Kirk assigns Uhura to be on point for figuring out how to do that. With Scotty and Bright Eyes, they all go to engineering. She has an hour before Sulu will bring them back to Vulcan. After some analysis slash technobabble, Uhura's team figures out that Spock was sent back into Vulcan's past around the time of the split that led to the creation of the Romulan society. They report to Kirk. In Vulcan's past, Spock accosts Serac and his forces alone. Spock makes a logical argument that by Serac knowingly allowing Zat to commit suicide with the stone, he demonstrated Serac is not enlightened and logical as he thinks he is. Spock says reconciliation between the two sides no longer appears achievable. Spock speaks of his lifelong struggle between his logical mind and the emotions being similar to what Vulcan society is now going through. Serac says he does not fully understand what Spock is saying, so Spock suggests a mind meld to achieve full transparency and clarity. Serac gives his permission to proceed. On the Enterprise Bridge, Kirk and the bridge crew theorize that Seven has plans underway to disrupt Vulcan at the time of the Awakening, to send its future off in a new direction that would make the formation of the Federation impossible. Their arrival at Vulcan, before the plan's pieces were all in place, endangered success, which is why Isis attacked, to minimize their impact. They need to contact Spock in the past, and Scotty thinks he has a way to do it. Back on Vulcan that was, Spock bears his half-Vulcan, half-human life story to Serac through a mind meld. The two halves in a constant tug-of-war that leads to episodes of fear, rejection, anger, logic, and at rare times, solace. The meld breaks and both men are hurled from each other, and in the process breaks the stone of Gaul when it falls to the ground. They turn to the mysterious tower not far away that starts emitting a series of intermittent light pulses. In the altered past, the Enterprise is back, and entering orbit around Vulcan. The Vulcan Romulan ships intercept and start pummeling the mighty starship. Scotty has bright eyes hooked up to a device that Scotty turns on. Spock talks Serac into considering expelling the rebels to the cosmos where they can make their new home. Serac says they will as Spock leaves and counsels Spock to seek the stability he yearns for. Serac says the tempest brewing beneath Spock's discipline facade will consume him. Spock leaves Serac with a quote from Abraham Lincoln, 
A house divided against itself cannot stand. Once Spock is away from Serac and his people, he begins to disappear as a shadow is cast near his departure location. As Spock fades out, he sees Lincoln's quote is applicable to himself. His warring divided house cannot stand either. He must choose a side, as Sorak, Ryan, and Vulcan will. Eventually, Spock is gone, and the view shifts to show the shadow was made by Gary Seven. Spock materializes back on the Enterprise in the transporter room. Kirk, Uhura, McCoy, and Scotty welcome him back, but says nothing to them and walks to his quarters. Once in his quarters, he thinks that he will no longer let his emotions influence him. He thinks he will re-educate himself to the principle of logic and reason. Spock has chosen a side. To be continued. And that side is to grow your hair long and walk around in the desert? Exactly. Seeking to expunge all emotion from the man known as Spock. Under a sky full of moons? I guess Even so. Even though in the Taz episode, uh, Spock says Vulcan has no moons. <laughs> of course you'd prick, you'd pick this opportunity to mention that bit of incontinuity uh, uh, failure. Well, anytime I watch the, the movie, the motion picture, it's so obvious. It's just like, what are those? They're moons. Plus, yep. And plus but, in the 2009 movie. Yeah, don't get me started. Is that where Spock is supposed to be? <laughs> don't get me started. Is that where old Spock is supposed to be? Or is he well, supposed to be that... on a different planet? I oh, don't know. They, uh, they... Well, they don't explain it. But come on. Well, they, another, they planet, another planet can't be that close. It must be a moon. I don't know. Well, I know it's JJ logic. But come yeah, on. Sure. you got to draw a line somewhere. In, in... Yeah, this is, this is the same JJ that had everybody in the galaxy seeing... A Death Star destroying planets. Yeah. From anywhere in the galaxy, you can see it all at the same time. Yep, exactly. Uh, JJ, don't you know anything about science? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But anyway. He knows it, but he chooses to ignore it. He chooses to ignore it. I think you're right. You are right. Never, Never let science or logic get in the way of a good story. Right. So I really like that the stone of Gaul was broken at the end of the issue. Uh-huh. And I'm assuming it's broken in the three pieces that Picard will be uh, searching exactly. for. Exactly. Exactly. And that Vulcan go, will I, reassemble. Right. Well, she's actually a Romulan. But. Well, no. She... No, she she's a Vulcan she, that says she, that's playing to be a Romulan. She's a Romulan that says she's a Vulcan, but she's really a Romulan. Mm. I just watched okay. the episode. So my memory was she was a Vulcan that pretended to be a Romulan because then that was more understandable as a pirate to be a Romulan. Right. But turned yeah. out she was a Vulcan. Now, yeah. So I remember that wrong? Yeah, okay. she was a Romulan pretending to be a Vulcan but was really a Romulan. So she was on board hmm. that pirate ship. She told Picard that she's secretly a uh, Romulan Mm-hmm. A, a Vulcan in disguise, but but then they checked with Vulcan and and she was not. She was she mm-hmm. was not Vulcan, and that's okay. why when she was trying to use it and she uh, tried to project the killing wave onto Riker and 
Picard and Worf that it didn't work because they emptied themselves of negative feelings and the wave just passed right through. Well, yeah, I remember that part. Yeah. I just but, don't remember the part that... Okay, that's yeah. fine. If you just saw it especially. <laughs> yeah, I watched it because of last, last, last time we were talking about mm-hmm. it and I couldn't remember it all that well. Yeah. But I did find it funny that her fake name was T'Pol when she said that she was really a Vulcan and she said, my name is T'Pol. All those names are so close to each other. Those Vulcan oh. names, they, they don't have creativity. But now in the Sarak, future, I think that uh, she probably chose T'Pol as her fake Vulcan name because she remembers T'Pol, the great commander of the original Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And maybe Picard would be more lenient towards her. That's why... It all comes back. Okay. Anyways. Cool. Anyways, uh, so it was kind of cool that uh, it got broken at the end of this issue, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yes, it fits. <laughs> Sometimes they do try to make things fit like that. Although I don't remember Surak ever dying, I mean, which Spock implies that he's about to die like right now because it shows the, uh, the proto-Romulan setting up a bomb. Yep implied that he's about to bite it now. Yep. Yes, which all seemed kind of fast to me. I thought it was right. going to take longer. Because all the books that I've read, it seems that Surak was still there when the Romulans left Vulcan. Right? I mean... That's what I thought, but... But the... the what, the Vulcan Forge, or whatever the name of it of that series of books right. was... Right. I don't remember a lot of details from it, but I I did think Serac was one of the main characters. Right, definitely in that first book. Right. Yeah. So I, I, him dying so, or be, you know, before the whatever they call the split or whatever they call that, I thought he was around longer. Right. Yeah. Same here. I agree. I agree with you. And I mean, what was the point of the mind meld if he's going to die in the next couple hours, anyways? He's like, uh, let me show you what your uh, teachings will mean in the future. Mind melds with him, walks off, and then he's going to die. Well, but also plants the whole seed of expelling the rebels. Right, but is Surik going to be there long enough to do that? No. But does he have enough time to talk to his people? I don't know. I guess so. But I don't know. If I'm sitting there saying, hey, Ken, we should trust these guys and just send them on their way, and then they kill me right in front of you... You're probably not going to be inclined to forgive them, uh, even though I was just saying you should forgive them. Just just doesn't seem logical. Okay, well, his followers are just going to get rid of them. So, again, it's kind of like the thing with Khan. I mean, do you just kill them, which is expeditious? Or do you invest all this money into spaceships to get them the hell off uh, the planet? Well, Right. Apparently, in the end, we know. They expel at least some number of the rebels. Enough, apparently. A critical mass to start a new civilization. To start two civilizations. Okay, well, fine. Remans, whatever. Exactly. But the what? But but Romulus and Remans, they're like tied at the hip. Right. Well, I mean, the mutated ones went to. Remus and the normal Vulcanoid ones went to Romulus. It's all canon, kid. And and you're stating things I think most people know. But thank you. Thumbs up. Anyways. Um, So, go ahead. I'm just wondering, so at this point in the book, I'm just just trying to figure out 
why exactly did Spock go in the past? I mean, what? Okay, so if Bright Eyes' presence and Spock's journey into the past is upsetting Seven's plans, then why did he help the Enterprise escape certain destruction at the hands of the, uh, the Vulcan Romulans? Right. I mean, why did he tell Kirk that Bright Eyes was the key to contacting Spock? I mean, why did he do any of that? Right. No, I, I just... have the same point. And I've even read the next issue, so I yeah, we know. still have... <laughs> I still don't know why he does this part. Exactly. And then even Kirk's like, I think we sprung a trap too soon or something like that, and you're just like, I still don't get it. I don't understand. I still don't get it. And even when we find out what all those towers are for, which we will in the next issue, spoiler... Um, it still doesn't looking back at all this it doesn't make any sense no so okay anyway well I guess I'm going to stop talking then because we haven't got to the second issue yet but I still at this point I still don't understand whether Spock went into the past as part of Gary's plans or whether he went into the past totally on accident right and what his presence in the past might do to upset Gary's apple cart. I, I don't understand any of that at this point. Agreed. Yep. Um, I, I'm really hoping that 24 uh, issues, 24 will clear it all up for us. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause the next one doesn't fully <laughs> explain it, <laughs> but at least you know more by the end of 22. Right. Now, how many years ago did he go back? He went back like 2000 years, right? Something like that? Was it that long? Yeah, I guess it was. Because, yeah, I think you're right. Because they were trying to, like, mimic All right, or well, pattern. I'm, I'm basing that also on that Christ. Gambit issue. In Gambit, they yeah. say the Vulcan-Romulan split happened about 2,000 years right. ago. Okay, so we'll assume that this is about what, 900 years ago, because it's the Taz version. All right, so, but then when... Bright Eyes is telling them how far they went back. It's really confusing because he says, doesn't he say something about um, fifty of your Terran years move backwards from that current from the current date, and then and then well, who Sp- said that? Scotty, I don't remember. Uh, Bright Eyes does. Oh, Bright Eyes does. Okay. Well, he says each coordinate point represents fifty of your Terran years. Okay. And then each coordinate point. And there's yeah. multiple coordinate points? I guess so. I don't know. And then Scotty says Spock was sent back to the 4th century by Sandy Years. So that means that he was sent back. 4th century? Yeah. So he was sent back. So the 400s Earth. in Earth years? I guess so. Well, I guess that would be about 2,000 two years. So, all right. It was that whole 50 years thing yeah, that I was don't... throwing me off with, with what Bright yeah. Eyes was saying. And I don't know what it, the heck he was saying. It doesn't show what he's, how many... <laughs> how many coordinate points there are. So. Okay, so he went back to about 4th century. That's what Scotty says. Yeah. So Scotty that, says that. Spock was that sent was... back to the 4th century by Earth standards. Yeah, it's pretty close to 2,000 years ago. Yeah, pretty close. Next generation time, so. Ballpark. All right. I, I was just I was just confused with the, the 50 years thing. Yeah, right. I pretty much just let it pass over me. <laughs> I believe you referred to it as technobabble in your synopsis. Yes. I did. It was <laughs> TNG level techno babble, baby. Picard would yeah. be proud. So, yeah. how'd you like the foreshadowing and the symbology with Rion when he was looking at the uh, atomic bomb, and then the bird 
the great <laughs> bird just happens to be like right over his left shoulder <laughs> with the with the wings spread just like on the bottom of a bird of prey. Right, yeah. Yep, I thought that was pretty funny. I thought it was funny. I thought it was cool. It was kind of over, it's kind of obvious, a little over the over the top, a little hit you over the head, but I kind of like it. It looks cool. Yeah. It, it, yeah, that bird made an appearance throughout the issue so yeah but yeah that that last but, one when he's really just sitting there on a on a cliff doing it just like eh. you don't think we got it yet <laughs> we know who these guys are <laughs> or, or but but is this trying to say that this is the turning point this is the true turning point that was the birth of the romulan race right when rion yeah. decides nope we're going nuclear here and maybe the bird is Isis. No. <laughs> no she's dead. Well, I mean... Unless they're messing with us. Gary could have gone back to this time. I mean, because Gary's obviously there. So this could be the Gary Gary and Isis before Isis got killed. Right? But we don't could know be. how long he's had could this be. plan in motion. Could be. And considering the, uh, the powers of Aegis, they seem to be able to do anything. Right. You'd think that, uh, you know, just like going back to an earlier Gamora... And I was like, oh, Gamora's back. Oh, it's from an earlier time period. They can do the same thing with ISIS, as, as I think you're saying. Well, no, so. I'm saying that this could just be Gary and ISIS from earlier. Mm. And then the Gary on the ship is the mm. one after. Gary's right? still pissed. And this one, and on Vulcan, you think? He seems to be. Yeah. He seems to be. Not that he's had the chance to do much. All he does is stand there and glares. Yeah. So is that bird, whether it's Isis or just a, a random bird, it almost looks like it's sitting on top of a mountain peak. Right. So that just so happens to be in the background, and it just happens to line up with his butt. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Just was an, it, it was an interesting place to put the mountain, but okay, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, for, the, for the artist. Yeah. So uh, when Spock's doing the mind meld with Surak mm-hmm. and telling him about you know Starfleet and humans and mm-hmm. his half blood heritage and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know none of that means anything to him. I mean no. they haven't no. had any contact with extraterrestrials yet. No, but he's feeling Spock. I mean I, I assume it's the part about the emotion Spock was feeling and the trials that Surak can relate to, which was the important part. Right. The stuff later with Starfleet probably is like, eh, I don't know what the that is. But I can tell Spock continued to have his difficulty managing his uh, emotional and logical halves. Right. Whatever background or whatever Spock was doing when he was an adult. And would it be so hard to have a little Burnham or... Uh, <laughs> um, oh what's my. his name? Cybok in the background Cybok. in one of these little little <laughs> flashbacks. Ah, uh, come on. Just Well, what acknowledge uh, that they exist in some way in these ba- in these flashbacks. Well, shouldn't STD have done that? What, have Cybok? Yes, yeah. absolutely. They should have mentioned him in some way shape or form. I mean, even if it was just one little one little verbal reference, something. I agree 100%. <laughs> Spock, your big brother, Cybok. So there is an episode of uh, Enterprise where it's the mind meld episode where uh, T'Pol's forcefully mind melded. 
Oh, uh, was that like supposed to be like a rapey thing or something? Or yeah, what? yeah. But that was a group of um, Vulcans who are trying to reincorporate their emotions and things like that. Mm. So I kind of thought, well, maybe that's the group that Cybok is the leader of in the future. Oh, uh, hmm. I don't know if it's intentionally supposed to be connected, but uh, at least there is some precedent that it could be connected. Cool, yeah, could be. Although they never call that out, but that's and that the cool would definitely thing. Explain you just think why about Cybok or why uh, Surak never talks about him because these Vulcans were really, at, you know, they were being shunned by the rest of the Vulcan society because of their beliefs and things like that. And I could see uh, Surak doing that if uh, Cybot said, Dad, I'm going to start using my emotions. And then he would give him the boot, ride him out of the wheel. Oh, Sarek. Sarek, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Sarek. Not Sarek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. I keep, yeah their names are so... Similar. I know, they're very similar. I, I In my mind, I'm saying the right name, but in my mouth just mixes them all. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I don't really have anything else about this issue. The artwork was good. I mean, it was yeah. It was great, yep. but it, it was uh, consistent. I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I do like the artwork. All the robes look really cool. The texture. I mean, I'm I'm looking at a particular page, and Serac's robes just have a really cool looking texture to it. So it uh, looks kind of like um, suede. <laughs> right. Yeah. Kind of. Right. Exactly. And then different parts of his uh, of his robes have different textures to them. I think it's pretty cool looking. Yeah. And then Spock's robes, too, are like asynchronous. I mean, one side it's all smooth and green, and the other side it's like gold with a triangle pattern or something. I, I just think they put a lot of detail into it, into the, into the artwork. Right. I'm just not a big fan of the Romulan slash Vulcan design ships. Oh, yeah. And that they look yeah. all exactly 100% the same. Yeah. Well, I, agree, I agree with that. And, and I really don't quite understand how they're combined. Now, definitely the, the round part in the back, you know, that's definitely Vulcan. I get right. that. But what part is Romulan exactly? Um, I don't know. Do they have because... a little wrapped around the bottom? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I didn't notice a raptor on the bottom. I didn't either. <laughs> okay, but yeah. So, and even like the, uh, what, arrowhead? It's it's like an elongated arrowhead. So the main right. body, that reminds me of Vulcan ships too. Right. So, again, what part is supposed to be Romulan? Yeah, I wouldn't have really thought they were Romulan except they keep calling them that. Yeah, exactly. Right. I agree. I agree. They They look pretty... Pretty Vulcan to me. Or the fact that they're attack ships and Vulcans wouldn't have attack ships. Hmm. Hmm. Unless they're going to say hello to a, a Klingon. Then then they suddenly have attack ships. <laughs> the Vulcan hello. Exactly. I know. Klingon hello. Right? Uh, oh, yeah. It was, Klingon it was, hello? Yeah. That was a Vulcan, Vulcan hello. hello to the Klingons. Yeah, well, the yeah, Klingons. to the Klingons. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, so, uh, well, I guess the last thing I want to say before we wrap this up and move on is, in the end, Spock didn't really seem to change history in any significant way. In fact, it was his presence that might have helped form the original history, right? So, right, by changing his mind a little bit uh, for right, the yeah. few hours that he's going to live. <laughs> right. 
Okay, so the three people he spoke to... Okay, so Zat, he spoke to Zat a lot, and she died. She did. <laughs> and then Serac's gonna die. And then Rion likely got caught up in the bomb blast. Do you think? Or did he not? I don't know. Who, 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 you don't know. Don't know. I mean, he could have survived, and he could have actually been one of the leaders that, you know, with the big exodus. Right. I don't know. Could be. Anyway, uh, in the end... Spock didn't really seem to change history, but he may have helped helped to form it. Right. So planting the ideas. Exactly. So Spock always, always was part of history in this way. And Gary made it possible. Yeah, thanks, Gary. If it wasn't Gary, if it wasn't for that tower thingy, and it mistakenly somehow reacting weirdly with bright eyes, he wouldn't have been sent back to exactly the right place in history. To right. influence Serac and plant the idea of Exodus in the head of uh, Rion, also. Right. So. Yeah, which is then funny because in the future he'll then be instrumental in bringing them back in together. <laughs> right. Undoing what he did in the past. Yes, exactly. Right. It's all a circle, Donovan. Exactly. What happened in the past will happen in the future. Indeed. That's it. That's all to say. That's it. Come all down. right. All right, then we'll move on to 22. This issue came out May of 2021. Different staff for the most part. So the writers was Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, artist by Stephen Thompson. The inker is Elizabetha DeMarco, but I guess it was only for pages 17 through 20. Colorist by Charlie Kirchhoff. Letters by Neil Utaki and edits by... Chase Morotes and Megan Brown. Two covers. The main cover shows Kirk walking off of the bridge, empty captain's chair behind him. And uh, that was by Stephen Thompson. And then the incentive cover was by J.J. Lindy. And it has uh, IDW Presents Star Trek Year 5, number 22. But it's in the, uh, the Star Trek is in the gold key font. All of that's inside of a silhouette of the upper portion of the Enterprise. And then we see like little pages being ripped out of, uh, or maybe like little puzzle pieces. But in the top left hand corner, we see Spock, Kirk, and McCoy. The top right hands, we see Earth. The middle to the right, we see Scotty with a communicator. The bottom right, we see Ahura and the word Ithaca. And then in the bottom left, we see. Sulu and Chekhov at their stations. Or maybe they're at their stations or they're just kind of dancing with their arms out. It's unclear. The story starts with Bright Eyes being given a comm badge or Starfleet swoosh badge of a Starfleet cadet. So it's uh, the normal Delta sign but with uh, little black bars around it. Kirk's giving this to him in a big ceremony, and he announces that Bright Eyes will be joining Starfleet Academy as the very first Tholian cadet. Later, the Enterprise arrives at Earth and to the end of its five-year mission. Spock, Scotty, and Uhura beam down to Starfleet Command to meet with Attorney General Shaw. She escorts the trio to a debriefing of sorts with the Andorian originalists, named Ambassador Rene and several other Starfleet brass. 
Renee opens up with comments about why Kirk is not there. Spock informs her that he's been called away, but the three of them should be more than adequate for this debriefing. The debriefing is more of a grilling by Renee as she warps the truth about the Enterprise's kidnapping slash rescuing of Bright Eyes, causing a near-galactic war with the time-traveling Aegis agent and other such comments. Spock is able to bat Spock is able to bat aside all of the accusations and state the truth, and he's even able to make uh, a couple points himself when he describes his, their own role into the attempting of Harry Mudd being put into the president's office by Renee herself. Spock states that with time, he and the Enterprise will be able to complete their investigation in what he calls wheels within wheels that has been presenting themselves over these last 22 plus issues. Renee makes a dramatic show and states that, Spock, didn't you know that was your final mission with the Enterprise? Meanwhile, back on Earth, in what seems to be the Midwestern United States deserts, Spock visits a research station. He has a flashback where he recalls in the past being there and being greeted by David as a small boy with huge hugs between the two of them. But not this time, no hugs and no David. Kirk just simply places a bouquet of flowers, a copy of the Odyssey, and a note that just says, for David. Kirk eventually beams back up to the Enterprise. Scotty's there, and he updates Kirk of the recent debriefing. Kirk swings by sickbay to find McCoy taking a nap on his bio bed. Kirk then arrives to the bridge, and he meets privately with Spock. Here, Kirk tells his friend that he's putting in a request to appoint Spock as the next captain of the Enterprise. Spock surprises him by refusing, saying that he's about to leave Starfleet to study the Kolinar. Kirk says that Spock will be throwing away a lifetime of service. Spock points out that he is much longer lived than Kirk, and that this will just be a chapter in his hopefully long life. Kirk is visually upset by this news, and he dismisses his friend. Once alone on the bridge, Kirk hangs his head. Spock, in the retreating turbo lift, gives in to his frustrations and punches the wall. Gary Seven suddenly appears and touches Spock as he says into a communicator, We are mission go. With that, he and Spock are teleported away. Also, around the galaxy, the towers on Vulcan, Andoria, Proxima, and Teller Prime, and perhaps several others, all turn on and fire red lightning into the cosmos. Shaw and Starfleet HQ is informed of the towers and that they're forming what looks to be a Tholian web across the quadrant, uh, and it seems to be capturing all ships within its wake. Meanwhile, in San Francisco, uh, it experiences a city-wide blackout just as Tholian ships start to arrive over the Golden Gate Bridge. The invasion has begun. To be continued. Da, da, da. Wow. Crazy, right? The stakes have been cranked up to 11. So, the tower was a Tholian web device. So it appears it was not meant to be a time travel device at all. 
or or I'm sorry, it used time travel or time dilation or time manipulation somehow to be able to allow the Tholians to be everywhere at once. Right. Was that, wasn't that the explanation? I, I thought the explanation was that normally a Tholian web takes forever to spin, mm-hmm. you know, even around just a, a ship. But uh, because this was basically being made throughout time, mm-hmm. and it's just like basically turned on now, but it's already been made throughout all the centuries, that that's why it's suddenly there at once. I don't know. It doesn't really make sense. No, but, but somehow it uses time to allow right. that to happen. Right. So that's how it does have some time-traveling capabilities, and somehow that's what allowed Spock to go back in time. Completely on accident, or so it appears. Right. Yeah. A very big coincidence that he goes back just in time to meet his, uh, his great leader right before he dies. Right. Yes. But anyways, yes, so the, the Tholian web is across the galaxy. I don't know about the galaxy, but the Federation, all over the Federation. Yes, uh, big chunks of the Alpha Quadrant. Why does Gary need Spock? I, that was also kind of odd. Well, that's, yes, we've got some nice little mysteries, don't we? Spock wasn't part of the plan, Gary's plan. He just happened to go back in time. So why is Spock important to be kidnapped? And he's the only one that gets kidnapped. Or maybe he was intended to go back in time so that he would have that emotional response and then Gary needs him after he's given in to his frustrations. So he waits until he starts punching the wall and then he takes him away. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, You just throw it out there and see what sticks. There you go. I mean, Kirk has demonstrated that Having Spock around obviously is a great source of options for Kirk to take advantage of. And with Spock kidnapped, one less of uh, Kirk's main problem solvers involved for, for him to take advantage of. So I can see it a little bit from that standpoint, but no. I mean, Kirk has shown that he can figure things out without Spock in the mix. Right. As long as he's got the rest of the crew also. I don't know. There must be something more going on here with Spock. Right. And I and I just keep thinking that maybe him giving in to his anger there in the turbo lift, that that was the moment Gary was waiting for. Well, and maybe well, it'll factor into it. Okay. I don't know. It just seems weird that he waits until he punches the wall and then he takes him. True. Could be coincidence, though. But, uh, I mean, be. Spock was alone. Right. In the, uh, what, turbo lift, was it? Was yeah, it he's in turbo, turbo lift. Right. Okay. Doesn't Zachary Quinto do that one of the movies has a punches the wall or something. Well, is that after his mother died? Yeah, I was thinking so. Yeah. In the 2009 movie, I think that's very yeah. possible. His displays of emotion. That is cool. Now, in the original uh, Taws, I always thought that Spock didn't have emotion. And and I don't know whether they ever said that he didn't. Uh, I think he, that they wasn't say the case. he has them. He just suppresses them. Well... But, then but did they episode, say that in talks? They say that if he laughs, he'll cr- kill himself. So it, it was kind of inconsistent. Yeah, I think well, they did. I think the, they did say that he has emotions. But I don't know what episode. Okay, so, well, th- that's very possible. But I never realized that he had emotions until they started getting into the movies. Right. 
that's when I understood because I always thought he was an emotion free guy, and maybe that's right. just uh, some a subtlety that I never got from Taws. Right. Uh, well, and, if, but if I go back and look, I can probably see it. Yeah. Well, I know that definitely, like in Plato's Children or Plato's Tough Children. Well, whatever, there were that people that they actually say. If he cries, he's, he'll kill himself because he's not supposed to have emotions or something like that. Well, that was a horrible episode. I know, I know. <laughs> oh, my God. That was embarrassing. Is that the one where Kirk gives... There's a horse? Uh, yeah, he gives the guy a, a pony back. Yeah. Pony ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he gives Dr. Miguelito Loveless a pony back ride. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a horrible episode. Yeah, that's the one that you don't want to show somebody to... To get them into Star Trek. <laughs> but the question is, which is worse? That one or Spock's brain? Uh, they're both bad. Oh, they're horrible. But which and one's then, worse? Uh, I don't know. I, you always mention Spock's brain as being bad. I think that the one where... The last episode. The last episode. Yeah, and you, you always bring that one up. Because to me, that's, that's the most cringy one. Well, I... All three were horrible. And the Enterprise incident was the only good one in all of season three. And, uh, and I don't know which one is the worst. But well, yes, in, in the, my opinion, Spock's brain. The one where he goes back and uh, they go back in time and, and Spock. Oh, that, uh, that library. Has, has the fling with the, uh, the yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, the library that, that everybody, just, the whole population escapes into their past. Yeah. Right. So, but anyways, back to this issue. Um, did you really understand the leaving the flowers in the book just on a random mesa? No. Maybe well, about a, a mile away from the the research center? Yeah, how is he ever... Yeah, exactly. I, I completely agree. It's like, so what was the idea, Kirk, that you're just going to hope that they happen to find it? <laughs> because right. that is the, that's supposed to be Marcus's research yeah, location, they, right? They, and then David's yeah, in there, right? You would assume so, yeah. Yeah, so I mean... So at least a, go to the front door. <laughs> leave it on the doorstep or something. Exactly. But instead, you're like... You're like across some big canyon, right? Yeah, no, he's yeah, really far away. And on top of a mesa or something, yeah. Yeah, There's so... There's no way they're going to find it. They're not going to know that. And it's not like he's dead and that he's just placing it there as a, a memory. I mean, if David was dead or he thought David was dead, that's one thing I could understand. Mm-hmm. But we saw in previous issues that he knows that he's not dead and that uh, she just asked him to stay out of his life. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, I, I did not get that. Yeah, But it, it was it, sad, the, the, the little flashback of him getting the hug and stuff like that. Was it a flashback or was or that was what that he... was that just what he was hoping would exactly. happen? Exactly. Uh... It was his own fantasy, I thought. Maybe. Or okay. about, but then he changed his mind and just left it. Okay. Because there he is scaling, a la Star Trek V, scaling that cliff face to get up to the installation. At least that's what I thought. Yeah, no. And then, okay. Uh, and by the way, aren't, aren't there transporters at this time period? Couldn't you just transport in? I mean, didn't you probably transport in, in the first place? To get yes. to where you were. Why couldn't you just transport in a little closer? But So did he ever truly intend to go in? I don't know. That must, that must have been it. I don't know. Yeah, Hard I read say. those four panels as being a 
memory uh, flashback, but that doesn't make sense because the little boy looks like about five years old and he's been gone for five years. Yeah. <laughs> huh, good point. All right. See, that's why it's good to talk. It's talk good it to out. talk this stuff out. You can be exactly. like, hey, if you look at it this way, it's that. So I really did not like this. I know I was mispronouncing her name, the Andorian Renee or whatever her name oh, is. Oh, her? Yeah. What about her? Yeah. I mean, just the way she was trying to spin everything and nobody oh, yeah. was calling her on it uh, was annoying until Spock finally says, you know, he finally calls her out on it. But it's just like all these guys that are there, all the other, you know, Starfleet brass that are in their admiral uniforms. Sure. They should have stopped her. She's just talking crazy stuff. Sure. And then, of course, the Attorney General. I forgot her name. Shaw. Shaw. There you go. Attorney General Shaw. I mean, I know that, that they're com- they're competing for the presidency. But still, right. she could have said more, too. But whatever. Yeah. So that was kind of annoying. Well, they, 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 they want to, to give you somebody to hate. And, and there you go. She's it. Yeah. I definitely hate her. Yeah. <laughs> Blue skin. Yeah. So, yeah, we talked about... Gary Seven being part of a machine and not necessarily, you know, a lone operative. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think they're ever going to bring up like the Andorian version of Gary Seven and the Vulcan version of Gary Seven, and that, and they're still okay with their people being destroyed too? Uh, I mean, good that question. one issue where we saw that they exist yep. has opened up too many questions for me to think that <sighs> they're all okay with. Uh, this whole Tholian plan. Well, but obviously, if Gary's been manipulated by ISIS, yeah, he had his mind manipulated. So his uh, the, the question of whether Gary has any self determination, any will of his own, truly right. in the end, is like out the window at this point. And then I don't see those other people, those other operatives, being in any better position. The Aegis are advanced enough that they have manipulated them genetically, and uh, and they and in the end they control their mind. They're, they're they're not independent agents, right? I guess. Which really sucks. Yeah. Which but, means, are you supposed to feel bad for Gary? I don't um, know. It just kind of changes his character so much that. I oh yeah. Think. Well, but yeah, because. Every hero does what he does because he believes in something, or she, uh, because they believe in something, and they're making a choice. And that's what makes them a hero. Gary has no choice about anything anymore. Right. Or so they're, they're showing you, unless in, in, in the end he's able to overcome it without ISIS being around. But I'm sure they just slapped a different uh, handler. To work with Gary, although yeah, we haven't that, seen anybody that, yet. That bird was ISIS too. Oh, oh, oh! I get you. I get you. His, his new hand, as in the number two, not yeah, yeah. T O O. Right, yeah. Since he's since he's Gary Seven, uh huh. ISIS two, <laughs> but a bird. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. Okay. She can change whatever she wants to, right? Sure. Well, but prefers the feline form. Right. Yeah. What was with McCoy in the bio bed? Was he drunk, or was he just taking a nap for real? That was weird, wasn't it? It was really weird. 20 cc's of get out of my face. I'm napping, doctor's orders. <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, really? It's funny, but 
it's so out of character for him. Yeah. I can't see him saying that. No. And, and, and you know, I mean, he knows everybody's leaving. So it's right. like... So, I mean, is that why he's... Because he's bored? Because everybody's gone? I don't know. That nobody, nobody's sick? Yeah. But you also would be in a mode where you know people are leaving. People that you worked with for the last five years, at least. Right. So you're going you're gonna to knock yourself out with 20 cc's of something? It's like, jeez. <laughs> it just, that doesn't seem to make sense. But yeah, it, it makes sense. It does keep Kirk all alone and makes it more poignant. I guess that's the right word. Right. And then he seems like he's, like, slighted that uh, Spock doesn't want to follow his footsteps. Yep. It's like Dad when, it's, when the son decides to not take over the family business. Right, I guess so. But, I mean, it's not like Kirk's going to still be on the ship. No. No, but it's, it's upsetting, his plans. Yeah. I mean, it's what he really wanted. It's what he expected. I mean, he thought Spock would want it. It's a big disappointment. But, in the end... It's like don't be a don't be a poophead that just says dismissed to yeah, Spock dismissed. and don't even look I'm at him. I'm not even gonna look at you. Yeah. It's like get over it. But even Spock, just a few pages earlier, said to the council that he and the crew of the Enterprise will continue working on the thing. So even then, it kind of acted like he was still thinking he was going to stay on the ship. Well, it, that's that's a very good point. I mean, you've got something really... Gary Seven and whatever he's planning to do is still going on. So now the crew's going to disband? I mean, the only people that, are, that seem to be aware of what's going on and they're actually actively trying to stop it? Right. I mean, I mean, Shaw knows something's going on too, but she's busy trying to... Become president. Exactly. So... Hmm. Anyway, um, it, it does seem a little odd. But then, of course, it doesn't matter in the end, right? Because we have our page that shows Vulcan, Andoria, Proxima, Teller Prime, all together at the same time having a similar uh, picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was very cool. I liked it. Yeah, and the web capturing all the ships out in space looked cool, too. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it just makes it look... Okay, so, so yeah, the one where the Reliance was grabbed, I like that. Right. But then that other one where there's one, yeah, like two, all in a three, line. four, five, six, seven different ships, all in the same area, that all get grabbed. I wasn't as crazy about that. So maybe it, like, spread out, grabbed them, and then pulled them all into a line. Maybe that was it. <laughs> a conga line. Yeah. Pulled them all into a conga line. And then, so where are the Tholians coming from? Are they coming out of the... Are they coming out of the... The tower? Or are they just flying above the tower in that last page? Um, I, I'm going to guess that... Although it does look like the lightning coming off of the tower is attached to each one of them. You know, there's like lightning bolts. Right. That seems like... Every one of those ships are touched by it. Well, maybe not every one. There's some of the smaller ones that look like they aren't. Right. So I thought they were coming out of some kind of a, uh, you know... Uh, Portal or a, something? A war pole or something. But right. you couldn't see it because they're, they're coming from space. Right. And then when you see them in the last picture, they're low. <laughs> I mean, they're in the atmosphere. They're heading over the Golden Gate. So I assume they must have materialized you know, through a normal... Or, or maybe, 
I thought they materialized out in space and then they came down. But who right. knows? I mean, they, they could material. They could be saying it's that the lightning coming off of the tower is actually materializing them right there. Maybe that's what they're saying. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I could see it going both ways. Like they're just coming from orbit, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. they're coming from a unseen portal that the that the tower is generating. Right. I don't know. But so that, that means that there's been a tower right there in front of the Golden Gate Bridge all this time for and the nobody, last two thousand years, and, and nobody yeah, nobody no, remembered not seeing it. Exactly. I mean, I know that they they on Vulcan, Bright Eyes was the only one that said that it wasn't supposed to be there. Right. Yep, I agree. So I guess this is the same situation. Yeah, but you really, yeah. So what? But in this case, so the American Indians or indigenous people right. in the San Francisco area they they built that that tower. Yep. It's always been That's there. what it would have had to have done. <laughs> I don't. I don't think people would have just assumed. Yeah, you know that uh, that indigenous people's tower made of that interesting metal. Uh, you know that's amazing, isn't it? Eh. Yeah, and it never came up when Spock when Spock got back from the past. He's like, yeah, we. If I remember right, there's a tower just like this next to San Francisco. Exactly. Wouldn't that be like you know we should do something about that? <laughs> <laughs> but no. So that pelican yeah. is uh, is pretty pretty casual. What's that? That pelican is pretty casual. Oh yeah, he doesn't care. No, he's fine. As long as it doesn't mess up the fishing. Exactly. Well, there's something you don't see every day. Tholian attack ships. Huh. <laughs> All right. My last comment is uh, I, I'm assuming it's a call out to the animated series. Oh. Did you Did you catch it? No. No. Uh, uh, Bright Eyes' new uh, environmental suit. It's just a little backpack that generates a little force field around his body mm. just like the belts so they got this because they're back um oh i oh i see what you mean yeah uh so this is because they are back at starfleet so they have more resources so they're able to do a well a they're not there thing. yet but yeah i guess they eventually after after the last issue after well, the last issue aren't they, they there now Oh, well, no. He has a little ceremony before they get to Earth. I mean, I guess they're still in. They're in the Federation. Well, but they're not in, in Earth yet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You're right because there's the uh, space dock. Right. They're going towards. So. Uh, yeah. Good point. I did not notice, but yes, it's no longer a fabric spacesuit. Yep. And he's got a belly button monitor. <laughs> he's like an admiral. Yeah. Well, an admiral. Well, I guess they all they all had that. Didn't they, they all had that. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> the belt buckle, belly button monitor. But then the little badge looks like the section third or the code red or code black. No uh, oh. badges from <laughs> STD. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, th- that that must. These guys do their homework. That's got to be an established Starfleet badge. Somewhere in the past, I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. I don't know when, though. At this time, they shouldn't have that Delta as the universal logo for Star You're right. That's only the Enterprise. Yep. And notice it says, it's got the command symbol, right? Isn't that the command symbol? Yeah. No, 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 no. Hold on. Let me back up. 
the command little, signal is a little a little oh, long star. star. Yeah. So is that sciences? I that, guess so. that that curly Q thing. Him. Yeah, that would make sense for him. Yeah. He's a scientist. Yeah. Anyways, okay. I'm so sure it'll be the last time up. we ever see him. Oh, of course not. Kirk's going to have to use him to figure out a way to. He's part of the crew still. You think he'll show up next issue? I think he'll show up. Mm. I think they're going to need a. They're going to need a Tholian in the mix to to deal with the Tholians. Yeah, I think. I, think. I am looking forward to seeing where they go with it. Yeah. All right. Anything else? No. 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 Nothing okay. else. But I am looking forward to this. Yeah, but you'll have to wait a little bit because uh, yes. We're actually kind of caught up, so now we have to wait till the, the issues come out. Yeah. So there's a month's delay in issue 23 coming out? Is that right? Yeah, it seemed like it didn't come out in August. IDW took a month off. Took right? a month off for vacation, exactly. <laughs> Everybody take a But, uh, take but next week, off. we're going to be doing what? We're going to finish up UK strips, right? I think that would be a great idea. That's a wonderful idea, Donovan. Right. So we're going to do 36 and 37 storylines? Yep, those are the last two that we have. Cool. Okay, so that's the last two normal weekly storylines. But we might have some other one-off kind yeah, of Yeah, there might be some like little annual backup stories or something like that. So I'll, I'll need to do a little research to make sure that this truly is the last of it. But okay. uh, as far as the, the numbered stories, it's the last one. Cool. Okay, it'll be nice to wrap up. Yep, See then, how they ended it. It will only have IDW going forward. That's kind of cool from a standpoint of uh, completing our objective. Yeah, what, what was originally going to be a three-year mission. Exactly. <laughs> that extended to over a decade. Yeah, missed that mark a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you, Ken, for uh, reviewing these with us. And uh, I guess we'll be back next week. Excellent. See you same next time. Same track time, same track channel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See ya. Batman fan. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website www.stcomicbookreview.com Subscribe to us via iTunes or friend us on Facebook at first name ST Comic second name Book Review See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review Let's get the hell out of here